We have skirted around the issue of the primogen many times, and for a good reason. Few titles among kindred are so ill-defined, so multifaceted. Yet they are also the vampires many young neonates are the most likely to run into. After all, who else but the Nosferatu primogen would employ a disposable group of licks to deliver her relatively unimportant missive to the prince, just to see if they can? Who but the clan Toreador's representative would graze the halls of Elysium to dispense pleasantries and venomous barbs in equal measure, putting on an appearance of being shallow and superficial to disarm any political rivalries as to her true ambitions? And who but the Ventrus chosen would begrudgingly bend the knee to their elder, the prince of the city, all the while secretly plotting for his downfall and replacement? The term primogen is derived from the Latin word primogenitura, essentially meaning firstborn. It is still used today in English as primogeniture, having roughly the same meaning, but also dictating the state of certain rights and privileges of being the firstborn child. Yet there is nothing first about the primogen. It is a role that can be claimed by any and all, but they may need to defend this claim if others desire it as well. It is not helped that each city under the Camarilla will have their own interpretation of what the role requires, and how much power they have, and even then it may fluctuate with time, rising in importance when a weak prince rules, yet being reduced to little more than a nodding head and a frightened acceptance of circumstances under a more mighty Methuselah. One could dive into the history of this role, but there is little to gain from that. Colat, the first prince of Rome, could be said to have created the model of the Primogen Council. But the veracity of this claim is uncertain. After all, would not the first prince then be Cain, and his Primogen his childer, or even more likely his grandchilder? It is a very human thing to have a council of elders. Having the most experienced members of a tribe sit down together to discuss the issue at hand, indeed one could be so bold as to say this was carried over from their mortal lives, Yet this is a statement uttered at one's own risk. One may also mention the Council of Ashes in Transylvania as being, of a sort, a primogen council. Yet the seven princes composing it achieved little in the end, and while they served, in a way, as a precursor to the Camarilla, the marks they have left on history are small and insignificant. Jürgen von Verden, child of Hardestad the Elder, is said to have coined the term primogen basing it on his practice of recruiting childer of his enemies whom he believed were ambitious enough to want to work with him to overthrow their sires. This wasn't a very efficient tactic however, those childer who were willing to betray their sires were usually not very influential in their courts, and thus Jurgen ceased employing this method, but the term stuck around and soon became common parlance. With the Camarilla's founding, so too did these councils become more commonplace until, today, rare are the cities where there is not a primogen at all, regardless of its state. There is no common perception of what the primogen council resembles amongst the kind, and in fact it depends a lot on the prince and the aforementioned council's lives before they became undead. Someone used to a parliamentary system may simply consider them representatives, while a prince born during the times of European kings and courts may see them more as their immediate inferiors, dukes and barons, lawyers and generals, who handle more trivial matters for them, yet who are still a cut above the common folk. This disparity is important to keep in mind, as it is an often seen cause for eternal strife amongst the kindred. 
both between the elders themselves, but also amongst uh, them and the younger generations, who may be more accustomed to some form of representative democracy. Suffice to say, councils operating like a modern parliament are very rare, and even when they exist, it is only by the will and good graces of the primogen themselves. Unlike mortal institutions, where being a representative is a full-time job, the kindred have little interest in giving their own time for the good of the whole. Thus, it is highly uncommon for a primogen council to meet more often than maybe once a month or even a year. Vampires, after all, live for a very long time, and while the nightly affairs can sometimes become quite interesting, older kindreds are well aware that months or even years may pass by where the most exciting thing to happen is the Malkavian primogen's fling with the prince. That being said, it is sometimes also up to the prince how often the council meet, and a particularly controlling one may demand constant updates from their lieutenants on the goings-on in their domain. But such a behavior will rarely be tolerated for a long time, unless this prince is particularly strong, popular, or outside circumstances would put the elders at risk if the aforementioned prince would be deposed. On the other hand, if a prince is weak, more responsibility may fall upon the primogen, and they may meet more often, if only to make sure that no one else is planning a coup to wrest control from the pretender. But how much support can a kindred expect from their primogen then? Well, this varies from city to city, clan to clan, and perhaps most importantly, the status of the kindred in question. Would a neonate be able to request a meeting with their primogen? Certainly, but it may take months, or be for just a few minutes. Would an elder? Most assuredly, but then they are also probably on a first name basis. And this is not even taking into consideration that a primogen has their own affairs to deal with as well. As I mentioned earlier, theirs is not a job, but merely a side gig, if you will, and some may do the least amount of work required merely because of the prestige the title brings with it. Another factor to take into account is the size of the clan. If there are only three Bruhai in the city, it is much more likely for the Primgen to have a more hands-on approach in order to ensure the continued loyalty of the other two. Not to mention make sure that none of them are taken out, weakening the clan's strength by an entire third. Contrarywise, a Ventru Primogen with a clan tally in the tens or even twenties might not even have the luxury of choice, instead having to rely on proxies to accumulate whatever grievances and issues their clan members may have in order to sift through it before their council meetings. Of course, one can attempt to bypass these formalities if the matters at hand are urgent enough. This, however, is highly inadvisable as the elders of the Primogen are very experienced in this game. At best, you will be denied. At worst, your presumptuous attempts have earned you the ire of at least your own primogen, whose authority you have now overstepped. Making an enemy of your primogen is unwise, even if you consider yourself on roughly equal footing, as others of your clan might see this as a perfect opportunity to earn their favor by turning on you. You have been warned. A prince, or one of their representatives, such as a sheriff or a seneschal, have much more leeway when it comes to visiting a primogen, or even a council, but even they must make sure that their presence would be welcomed, or at least tolerated, lest they earn the enmity of the kindred, who may well have the power to rescue from your position. Archons, agents of Justicars, are a different story, however. 
While they themselves may lack status and power, the ones they represent do not, and an Archon demanding to be heard at a Primogen Council is most often tolerated, the members well aware of what headaches denying them would bring. A Justicar, of course, would never be denied, as they are the foremost representatives of the Inner Circle, the shadowy council that truly rules the Camarilla. Thus, no Saint Primogen would ever deny them unless the situation would be absolutely dire. Even so, slights are rarely forgiven, and while the Justicar title may eventually be lost in favor of another kindred, Bitterness and lust for revenge never truly die among the elders of the kindred, so any Justicar would be well advised to think twice before they bring any unsuitable accusations to the council. How does one become a Primogen? There are in fact as many ways, if not more, than there are councils. It all depends on a variety of variables, including the strength of the prince, and of course the council, both in terms of actual power, but also influence and clout. Other factors will be the clan in question, as well as how attractive the position itself is. If the seat comes with a codified authority over the rest of the clan, and indeed the city, then surely many kindred will fight over the authority the title brings. But in cities where the prince rules with a heavy-handed iron-clad fist, you may have to literally and figuratively drag some poor soul to take the position. Some primogen simply choose to be it, others are elected by their clan, or even their future peers in the council, and someone might even end up getting the title after having done the work informally for several years. All of these ways have their advantages and disadvantages, and a council who does not approve of the way someone achieved their position may in turn employ quite a few tricks to ensure that their latest member will feel as unwelcome as possible including undermining them in front of the prince, withholding information, or simply not informing the new counselor of where the meetings will be taking place. It is a wise rule of thumb to assume that any Primogen member is worthy of their position until proven otherwise. And even then, one must be careful to assume that an elder is weak simply because they present that way. Vampires are cunning predators, often with years of manipulating mortals and kindred to draw from. Malkavians, for example, are notoriously difficult to read in this way, and they have a history of being unreliable and quite dangerous when angered. Thus, many of them are left alone, even when they are, in fact, nowhere near as powerful as they may pretend to be. It is dangerous for any primogen to indebt themselves or be appointed at someone else's decision, as this will always come with strings attached. After all, if the remainder of the council voted you in, they may just as easily vote you out, and few kindred would choose to remain loyal to those who they represent when the real power comes knocking. And if by any chance such a kindred would exist, one who would resist the will of the council to speak loudly and clearly for their clan's demands, well, the aforementioned bullying are only the tip of the proverbial iceberg. Losing your position in the council, or stepping down, is often much easier than attaining it especially if you lack the power to simply take it for yourself. Ironically, while the weaker kindred may not have much power when it comes to many things, any primogen who lacks support from their own clan is likewise doomed to fail, their own personal power being the measure, deciding just how long that may take. As there are few rules concerning who actually sits on the council and by what standards, it would require something truly heinous to have been done for that to be reason enough for their expulsion from the council. That being said, 
such a deed is likely to invite punishments much more terrifying than the loss of a council seat. We have spoken little of what a primogen council actually does tonight, or how their composition may look around the world. So I hope you will join me again next week as we take a closer look at how these firstborn operate in the modern night. Four dark gods have awoken from their aeons of slumber to walk among us and their patronage is a blessing. Snow, whose insight is matched only by his benevolence, Adam Daw, whose wisdom guides my hand, and Bambi Parsons, whose passion courses through our veins, are all worthy of our worship. Dr. Sheepington, at last, has stirred from his crypt to join his brood, and we subjugate ourselves to his might. The Methuselah, her satanic majesty Danny, reborn through fire and ice, Maximilian S. Hardcastle, who maneuvers the chess pieces of the Jihad with ease, and Socrates Johnson, the ancient scholar of lore who has seen fit to engage once more in our nightly games, are all of them blessed for their interest in the works of our council. Edward Reed, Colin Gifford, 06, Stonewolf18, Jokerman, Cal Constantine, Lauren Eason, and Ian Nichols are all valued and appreciated members of our council, and they are joined tonight by the Black Friar, whose insight into matters spiritual and mystical will aid us in our work. Their wisdom and good judgment shall be the torchlight by which we conduct our affairs. Our elders Dante the Canine, what's that smells his blood, Remy Van Roy, Gaslight88, Aubrey Ayers, Non-God, June Pocholo, Justin S., and our most recently ascended elder Joseph Perry shall receive our blessings for their devotion to our cause and for the example they set for the younger kindred of our sect. Finally, we would also wish to send our thanks to the Ancillae, Harry Wyckoff, Envihan, Yudan, Al, and Hawk Haynes for their help and guidance of their juniors. Our stalwart neonates shall, as always, receive our appreciation for their services. And thank you for watching. Now be careful out there, for Gehenna may soon be upon us.